Coming up today on Up and Coming Podcast, I have Tom Lee in the studio from Lee Matthews. We'll be talking about music production, DJing, and their song, I Got You. You can stick around at the end of the podcast to hear that. Today in the studio, we've got Tom Lee. How are you doing, Tom? I'm good, thank you. Thank you so much for coming in. It's great to be here. Today we're here to talk about your project, Lee X Matthews. Yeah, Lee, Lee Matthews or... Lee, Lee Times Matthews. Matthews? No, well, well, I think we'll keep it. We keep it as Lee Matthews. Lee Matthews. Yes. Um, the X is on the SoundCloud because Lee Matthews was taken. Ah. Oh. Yeah. And so I mean, it kind of makes sense because there are two of us: yeah. myself, Tom Lee, and Graham Matthews. Hence, mm-hmm. where the name comes from. Yet, no, the X was just put there because the name was already taken. But it kind of, you know, a lot of people use X to. Some yeah. two things together, so... There's a lot of, like, weird things like that in a lot of dance music. Oh, there Names, is. Like, right? like, the, like, upside down, like, A's is yeah. V's. Oh, it's terrible. Or the V in churches. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, X, X, Y, X. Too many X's. Yeah, way too many X's. It's, it's, a, it's a thing people are using, but, I mean... Names are becoming quite stagnant these days, and I guess I don't know. Some people see it as a way to be cool for yeah. a bit of words. But so. this is just Lee Matthews. Yeah, Lee Matthews. Yeah. You literally just thought, you know what? You've got a last name. I've got a last name. Two last names yeah, together. Yeah, yeah. And the thing that I quite enjoy about it is it makes it sound like one person, mm-hmm. and a lot of people get confused. And I kind of like that confusion. <laughs> that is, yeah. <laughs> you both do have first names for last names. Yeah, exactly. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. But yeah, it is quite interesting to see people's confusion. And then other people, when you'll get, uh, say you're at a gig or whatnot, and you'll get asked, which one of you is Lee? <laughs> and it's quite funny, like, just being able to play off that. It's yeah. interesting. That's cool. Okay, so before we talk about how the two of you met and what you do now, I want to take it way back. Way back. When you first got into music. Uh, first got into music, I was 12 years old. I picked up a guitar. Um, Mum gave it to me. I went to piano, not piano lessons, I went to guitar lessons. And I studied that for a while, then started teaching myself. Um, was very into Guns N' Roses, ACDC, Metallica, Led Zeppelin. And then that sort of went heavier and it was like Lamb of God, Children of Bodom, got yeah. very sort of screamo. Mm-hmm. And then it was like the time that... Dubstep started coming around yep. was when, oh, I don't know, I kind of felt like it wasn't in a sense that, you know, like rock and metal wasn't good. There was nothing new coming from it anymore, or mm. I kind of felt, and in, in my spectrum of things, because that's a terrible thing to say, that and the, at, my, at that age I was definitely just like, oh, well, I kind of feel like, you know, I want something a bit newer, and then Dubstep was coming out. And at the time... It, I feel it was an easy transfer from metal mm-hmm. into dubstep because, it, the, you know, they're very heavy genres, so to speak. And yeah. um, from there got really into dubstep and was kind of still on the fence. You know, I still listen to metal and then I would listen to dubstep. And then I went and saw Skrillex, which is, yep. you know... The um, king of dubstep. The, yeah, the king of dubstep. Um, and at this time... He hadn't even released that Scary Monsters and Nice Sprites, which was like the first track that was sort of made him big. Mm-hmm. And I sort of still had no idea who this guy really was. Yeah. Um, and then they also had other big names like Nero, Foreign Beggars, um, Trolley Snatcher, which were 
huge names at the time. I still didn't really know my mate. Kind of just convinced me to go. Yeah. And then after I went to that gig, I was sold on electronic dance music. It was just like, this is awesome. Like, I absolutely love this. And that's when I sort of started to get really into it. And um, I even I even met Skrillex. Wow. I didn't know who he was <laughs> at yep. that time. Like, and he was just literally outside the gig afterwards just doing, just saying hi to everyone. Yeah. And um, literally just going up, shaking hands and taking photos. And I didn't really know who he was. And I think it was quite funny. He introduced himself to a friend of a friend, mm-hmm. and this is a female, and she had obviously had no idea who he was. Yep. And um, she said, "If off you creep," <laughs> and it's quite funny because you know I've I remember my friend reiterating the story to me of her doing that and apparently now she absolutely loves dubstep and hates or not now in a, f- a couple of years after she hated the idea of her doing that to yeah Skrillex, so it was quite entertaining but um yeah from there i was working in a butchery in the south island yep and it was very very i don't know just stagnant didn't really feel like i was going anywhere and then i said oh let's go to mains and do the dj course and yeah i was just like let's see where it takes me just for a year mm-hmm. and then yeah on from there so that's where so there's a mains in the south island as well no i just went straight up to auckland straight i was like i need a life change like yeah. let's just go and flip it up are you from the south island yes oh no i was born in the uk oh wow yeah. okay when did born you move over here i moved out here when i was 10 so i think 2003 mm-hmm. been here for I'm probably wrong, but 11 or 12 years. I'm 22 now. Yeah, okay. And um, moved to the South Island initially, spent eight years there until Mm -hmm. I was 18, and then moved to Auckland. Great. And you like Auckland the best? I love Auckland. It's wicked. Christchurch sort of died after the quake. It's a horrible thing to say, but in terms of, like, being a young person, being 19 years old Mm -hmm. and not having any sort of... It was it was really gone after the quake, and I like I, I still love the city. I love going back there, mm-hmm. but in terms of what I wanted to do at that age, it you know it's yeah. it wasn't where I wanted to be, and so mm. I decided to change. And it's it's on the up now, but you know I still feel Auckland's got a more of a music scene. This is where it is, yeah, really. Yeah, right? exactly. if you want to do music, yeah, Auckland or Wellington are really your two yeah, choices. Exactly. Um, have you played anywhere else? Um, yeah, I've played down in Christchurch and Wellington. Mm-hmm. Um, it's quite funny because we played at a big sort of like, probably would say like a kind of drug, drug, druggy hippie kind of festival. Yeah. Um, I won't dub the name just in case that's not an image they want to portray. <laughs> but um, yeah, we played at one of those and it was quite funny. Like down in the South Island, anyone who's into electronic music is all just drum and bass. It's all they yep. care about and like we we've sort of started playing like more trap and just bass orientated side of a type of music and like for the first half hour of our set they kind of just looked at us like what are you doing what Don't is crap. how do you dance to this yeah and like we were really 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 trying and like throwing around within our sort of sound um because that was the idea we um had to play on cds that gig mm-hmm. and um couldn't be bothered burning our entire library. So we basically just thought, like, let's let's just bring in one kind of genre. We were just like, let's stick with trap. Yeah. And so we went and played that. And, yeah, it was. it took literally about half an hour to just kind of 
they were almost they felt I felt like they were learning as they were listening. They were kind of just like, What is this? But yeah. um yeah, by the end of the set it was it was pumping and it was good. And mm. then other places we played is Wellington. And Wellington's a dope city. People know how to party down there. Yeah. It was really crazy. It was really, really good. Where did you play down there? Um we got brought down by Breaking Beats Promotions and they put on a party at have you heard of the tugboat? Yep. Tugboat Cafe. Yeah, mm. they they put on a party downstairs there for Halloween with the, called the Ghost Ship, and um, so that was quite cool. Cool. And uh, we also played at um, Old Famous Nightclub. Nice. Which was absolutely rammed to the rafters, and um, we we're playing a lot more, I'd say, club friendly sort of music, like mm. quite electroy, pumpy sort of stuff. And um, you know, we we kind of learnt playing that. Yeah, it's not really our preferred style yeah it was definitely the most fun i've had playing that kind of music that's so exciting but yeah wellington was it was crazy cool so coming back to the mains course how does that work how do you learn djing um it was quite cool like they literally just shut us in a room with vinyls and at the start and kind of was just like well this does this that does that um go learn <laughs> yeah. just shut us shut us in there and at the start you are literally sat there with these old records that you don't even like mm -hmm. and you're just like God, this sucks. How the hell do you do this? Like, How did I end up here? And you literally, it's a very, very long process of just trying and trying again and then they let you get your own records, but you can only use vinyls, yep. which is a really, really cool thing. And mm. it, it brings it very, very much back to basics. Like you have to rely on your ears. You can't use your eyes. You can't look at anything. It's all just done by ear. And mm -hmm. it's that is it builds you a really good foundation for... DJing anywhere because then mm -hmm. you just have this sense of timing or like when something's not in time and it's yeah. just a, it's a really really great skill and eventually after some effort I graduated to what they call they do the Serato test and so basically you had to in front of a teacher beat match two records together mm -hmm. um, in order to pass and graduate to Serato which therefore you could use your own computer and your oh, own cool. music yeah. and so that was obviously a big incentive for everyone because I mean everyone wants to play their own music mm -hmm. and so from there it was just I had to push for that and then eventually after some tutorage and a lot of hours put in yeah I, I got it and yeah. moved on to Serato. And, and that must have just been like taking off yeah, shackles. Yeah, it was, it was interesting from there. Like Serato's good, but I started really depending on the visual waveform. Mm -hmm. So just Sorry, just really quickly explain yep. to everyone what Serato is. Okay, Serato is a computer software mm -hmm. that you you put in the, the controllers, the DJ controllers, the CDJs mm -hmm. or the vinyls. Um, you have a control vinyl or a control CD. Mm -hmm. And the, the control vinyl or control CD emits a, a sound wave, mm -hmm. which is picked up by the hardware, which is the Serato box, which is what it's plugged into. And then you can load digital tracks onto these decks. From your computer? Yeah, from your computer. And they will, the waves kind of just like load on top of the digital, the digital form. So mm -hmm. then you can play it as if it was a vinyl or a CD. And so it's just a, a way of getting your music off your computer and then reiterating it with the control mm. surface. But um, Designed in New Zealand, right? Yes, yes, yeah, a New, New Zealand, Zealand company, company, which is really, really cool to know mm. that they were basically the forefathers of that technology. It's and they use it all around the world now, right? Yeah, Serato's yeah, yeah. Serato's a very, 
very highly thought of professional software that has not only um, does it have that form, it's also they build controllers and, you know, they've got all the software links with controllers and it can be used mm-hmm. in B-pads and all sorts of stuff and it's really innovative, it's quite cool. Mm-hmm. But um, back to what I was saying, I got too dependent on the waveform and just using my eyes. Yeah. And it was really funny, like, before I'd properly played in a club, a friend of mine was playing at 1885 up in the the, the back part yep. and um, he was just jamming along and he's like, do you want to have a mix, bro? And I was like, yeah, cool. And he was playing off CDs and I completely butchered the mix <laughs> yeah. because I was just too dependent on my eyes. I'd stopped using my ears and completely forgotten what I learned. Mm-hmm. And so it really embarrassed me. And I was just like, oh, I didn't know what I was doing. I was like, oh, no, what, what am I going to do? And so I started burning my own CDs mm-hmm. and, and then eventually got my own CDJs and just literally was just like, I'm never touching computer software until I can do this properly. Yeah. And so from there I taught myself and taught myself until it just got it stuck by ear. And mm-hmm. I'm really, really glad I went through that stage because now it's like you can just do it. Like yeah. there's, you know, I don't, I don't, play on gear at home at all i just play out when i play yeah and so that's yeah it's it's good to have like sort of ingrained that skill Mm. okay so this is probably a good point to talk about how what a dj setup kind of looks like okay well um it's a a traditional setup is you have a mixer Mm -hmm. which is basically um most of them consist of four channels of audio Mm -hmm. and that can be connected to um, basically anything through RCA chords. Yep. And, um, but then they are usually, it's either done with turntables, mm-hmm. which is the old school way, or, and it's mostly turntables are usually favoured by scratch DJs because mm-hmm. they obviously can do the scratching. And um, the other form, the other most popular format is the CDJ, which is was initially used to play CDs, but is now done with USBs, yep. which is what I use now. I use USB Studio DJ. Because you just got thousands of tracks that you can put on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Time. And it's just it's just so much. And you have to burn CDs, which mm-hmm. is, you know, it's it's labor that you don't really want to do. Whereas, like, you can plug a USB into your computer and just... I use a system called Recordbox, which is just a, a file storage system. Mm-hmm. And it... Um, it notes the BPMs of your tracks. Oh, cool. So, yeah, it's, it's quite... And then you get a waveform as well, so you can look at when the changes happen in the track. Mm-hmm. So it's quite useful. That's very cool. Um, but, yeah, you use those two control surfaces to basically to... In a sense, beat matching is just speeding up or slowing down tracks so that they are in the same... You know, they're at the same beat. They're, they're, they're going... The kicks and the snares are all hitting at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so it's in time and that way you can basically... those controllers just you control that by mm-hmm. speeding it up or slowing it down so. and then in theory you're just fading between the two you're fading between the two and um usually to smoothen transitions you'll be using you'll be using eq mm-hmm. because it sounds very muddy with two bases at 12 o'clock mm-hmm. and so obviously you'll have one base down and one base up and you swap them around and um, sometimes you cut the highs or you'll peak a you'll peak a mid to bring up a vocal or something like that if you mm. want to keep the track in and you want it to... Because once you've cut the bass, you'll lose a bit of yep. volume. So using the mids to pick up those vocal frequencies is a bit... That's a good, cool. Good tactic. Yeah, but yeah, basically fading in and out once you've beat matched them. Learning a lot. Learning a lot here on Open Kevin. Good, good. Okay, so you finish up with mains. Uh, yes. Well, I did my DJ course and then went through and did... Um, 
certificate and diploma audio engineering. Oh, cool. Yeah. After after was after, it a year of DJ course? After a year of DJ course, yeah. Yeah. And how did that help your DJing? Um, it didn't help my DJing at all, but I would say it helped my production. Mm. And so through all that, you know, like it's just when you leave the DJ course, you, you know, you come out with all these ideas and like they, they, they teach you Ableton quite well. But um, when it comes to doing a proper mix down or EQ compression, it's just those aren't really refined. Yeah. And I really feel like audio engineering, if anything, really, really taught me, you know, the rules of compression, EQ, mixing, blah, 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 audio engineering stuff. So is that where you met Graham? Yes, um, Mains was definitely where I met Graham. Um, we basically started the duo over a mutual love of dubstep mm -hmm. and it was basically the two of us just basically trying to outdo each other. We'd go home, download whatever we thought was the coolest track and would just go in and just throw down, I guess, and just we'd both be doing like we do now, back-to-backing. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. It'd be like he play a song, I'll play a song. And, yeah, mm -hmm. we, it just sort of went from there. And then we were like, should we try making music together? Because mm -hmm. at that time, like, I'd definitely say, like, my production skills were quite basic and so were his. And so it was just like, yeah, we'll give it a go. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, so Lee Matthews sort of came from there. How does that process work? I've actually always wondered about it because there's quite a few kind of musical duos where two people will make songs yeah. together. Would you say w which process, DJing or? M production. Okay, production. Producing your own yeah. music. Um. It's actually been quite funny. Up until this track that's just coming out now, the one that's not actually come out yet, which is called X-Ray, mm -hmm. we haven't done very much production together. Mm -hmm. It's always been like one person pretty much finishes a song and then the other one will just be like, I like that, I don't like that, and then we'll mix it down together. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I got you, I made probably 90% of it. Yep. And then... Um, and he'll just kind of give notes. Yeah, it was kind of just like, I think you should do this here. I think you should do that there. And then even at that stage, just another person's insight was, you know, who was doing it to go forward and push Lee Matthews was, you know, he was very interested in it as mm -hmm. opposed to just like appear, just passing a comment on it. It was to really improve the song. Yep. And so... You know, at that stage, it was it was a good thing to have that other person looking in. Yeah, and not afraid to pull any punches or yeah. Well, no, exactly. We're we're like that in every sense. Like yeah. when one of us like even barely stuffs up a mix yeah. while we're playing, we'll just rip into <laughs> each other. Yeah. If this if something they've done that's bad on a track, we'll just be like, bro, that sounds terrible. Yeah. What are you thinking? Like, <laughs> we'll just we'll just or like we you know if, if like we'll send a song to each other, and it, we've we've it's only an idea, and the mix down is not perfect. You'll get ripped apart for the mix down as yeah. well. Like it's just it's all me and Graham. Uh, very banter orientated. Yeah. And so it's, yeah, it's it's healthy banter, but mm -hmm. yeah, we were very much like that. But um, in terms of the most recent track, X-Ray, we actually would just, Graham got it to, I don't know, like a point, like there was a, there was a structure and there was, as an EDM person would term it, a drop. Mm -hmm. And 
and it was, you know, it, it fell. It was there was there was the bridge, and then there was the other drop, and then there was the outro. It was all it was all there, but it just wasn't nowhere near release standard. And so yeah. from there, he would come over to my house, and we would both sit there and just be like, basically, we'd go through the track, and we'd both sit there with a pen and paper, yeah. and just be like, you, you would etch out all the things that need to be done, and so you'd go, you know, I think. And we weren't even thinking about mix orientated there. It was all creative process. It was yeah. like there needs to be more of a rise there. There is the, the drops too repetitive. It needs more things to keep your brain ticking, yeah. which th- with electronic music, you know, like you really need to think about those small elements to keep your brain going because I find a lot of producers just do loops and loops and loops and it's not interesting. There needs yep. to be things changing constantly or you get bored. And so we just sat there with a list and you would go through, both listen to it separately and then mm-hmm. collaborate your lists and then go through and do those, make make those changes in the song. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's how sort of we produce together. I'm sure people do it differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds like a pretty mm. solid way of getting things done. Um, so your first track, I Got You. Yes. Um, released on SoundCloud recently. Well, how, how many, how, how long ago is it now? Do you have it in front of you? Uh, two months. Two months ago. Five months ago. Oh, Sorry. no, five months ago. There you go. Uh, yeah, so that was interesting to make. It was quite funny. I got approached by the label manager when I had 45 seconds of audio, basically. <laughs> I, it, was, it, it didn't even have a, a drop. Um, and it was just a intro that mm-hmm. I'd sort of written down. And this guy contacted me from France and he's just like, I really like this. Can you send me it when it's done? And I'm just like, oh my God, I've <laughs> got to finish a song wow. like really, really soon because there's an opportunity here. Yeah. And so like I literally, like my girlfriend hated me during this period <laughs> because I just had my headphones on when I got home yeah. and being – good proper audio headphones you can't hear anything when anyone talks to you (laughs) so i would just basically just shut myself in my headphones and just work and work and work and work and work and then we got like got it to an acceptable stage i ran it through with graham then we took it into mains mixed it down Mm -hmm. and um from there sent it to the manager and he said i'd like you to make a few tweaks here and there just because you know like they're they're curating a label, so they want to present a particular sound, a sound, yeah. and um, do things to a, a certain standard. So he said, "Do this, this, and this." And I took the song back, and we made the small changes. And he was like, "Yeah, that's absolutely perfect, love it." And from there, we, yeah, we released a song with them, and it got premiered on a what is termed as a um, in a blog which basically just posts music and does articles mm. on them. Um, and blogs have a lot of followers yep. because people want to find new music, namely DJs or just, you know, people that are really into, into the music. And that way it gives your song more exposure. Mm. And so people listen to it on the blog EDM Source. That was the one it got posted on. And then through it got posted also on the Rooftops Horizon SoundCloud page. Mm-hmm. And then through Rooftops Horizon, the idea of labels, so to speak, today is more, well, smaller ones. Obviously, the larger ones still pretty much do it like it was done back in the old days. Mm-hmm. But um, the smaller ones, it's, it's more exposure-based. Yeah. It's 
they have connections with a large amount of blogs and so it's like a small network mm-hmm. and they got it put up on edm.com which is a huge blo- like huge huge blog network that do everything from electro progressive house house tech house deep house um, mm-hmm. drum and bass dubstep glitch hop future bass which is what that track was trap hip hop it's all literally just it's a huge network and so depending on the style of your track it gets sent through that avenue and then yeah it's i think it's on a hundred thousand plus plays through them and seven thousand yeah so it's it's a it's a good feeling Mm -hmm. and so yeah that's what um I suppose I got you has taken us, and uh, when when the track got released as well, it gave us in the the DJ scene, for want of a better word, it gave us more recognition. Yep. Because I find you know there's a lot of DJs out there that just DJ, and you know they only seem to go so far. And mm-hmm. as soon as you start making your own tracks, you go from a DJ to an artist, and it you know it's it's more of a whole package if you get what I mean. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Tom, where can people find your music? Um, all our music will be up on our SoundCloud. At the moment, there's only one track. We've done several others, but we we did a tidy up, mm-hmm. so to speak, um, because of our new release that's coming out soon. And we kind of felt like the older tracks were just not as good. Like we sort of feel like we've progressed as producers since we released them and like I Got You kind of feels like a benchmark yeah. and we want them all to be better than that. Okay. And so, yeah, you can find them all on our SoundCloud or mm-hmm. on SoundCloud, which I mentioned before, you can go to Rooftops Horizon, the label mm-hmm. that released us. You can go to futureedm.com, which is the the channel got pushed through. And I think if you search it on YouTube, you can also find it. There's several smaller channels that just post it without you even knowing. Because the songs are for free download, so like it's it's free content basically, yeah. and they'll just post it. But they credit you, so it's quite cool. That's cool. And you know, then the, you don't get as much exposure. Like they'll they'll probably hit like a thousand plays, six hundred plays. But I mean, it's more people listening to your music, so it's a yeah, it gets a name cool out thing. there. Yeah. And um, you've got a Facebook page. People yes, we do. We do have a Facebook page. It um, was is Lee X Matthews also because that was taken. Yep. It was quite funny actually. On Facebook, we have been tagged in. I think there's a country singer called mm-hmm. Lee Matthews, yep. and we've been tagged in a couple um, country <laughs> promo gigs in America, which yep. has been quite funny. So that's cool. Um, and have you got any upcoming gigs? Uh, yeah, we play. We play quite regularly, like, around town. Like, you can probably find us most Fridays and Saturdays at various venues that um, you can you can keep up to date with the Lee Matthews page and you'll mm-hmm. find um, those gigs there. But most of the time through Lee Matthews, we will only promote the gigs that we really, um, you know, we're, 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 like, really, really stoked to be on. Yeah. And so... Um, the two really, really important ones coming up are you can find Carmada, which mm-hmm. are playing at studio this weekend, and that's presented by George FM and Red Rum Touring, and they are from Ausler, which is Skrillex's label, mm-hmm. and um, they are formed by LDIU and Yatsel, which are two Australian producers, and that'll be a huge show up at studio. I expect that it'll be about 500, 600 people there. Wow. So. 
That should be pretty cool. We won't probably sadly be playing to that many people. We'll be in the side room, but yep. you can come find us there. We'll be at Kamada. And then also the following weekend there is Slumberjack, which is a Australian production duo based on Die High Records. And that one is presented by We Move, and that is at the Roxy and Everybody's. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, I'll cut Snaker on that one as well. They're also Australian DJs. Um, and we're supporting on that one as well. So we're both really excited about those gigs coming up. All right. Check them out. Indeed. Tom, thanks so much for coming on. That's quite all right. Thanks for having me. <laughs>